What's going on, my friends? Welcome to this new episode of King's Code Radio, where we are a movement of men, men rising up as kings, kings unto the king of kings. And today we are going to be talking about something that I think you will relate to. You've heard the saying that good is the enemy of great. And I think, you know, there's books, all that kind of stuff, but I really think that that is more relevant for people than what people realize. How many areas in our life have we settled for good simply because it's easier and we lose sight of what great actually is. So what we're going to do is we're going to switch over to a recent message that I was able to deliver uh, about the topic of good is the enemy of great. What's the Bible have to say? And where is our current condition in this way of thinking? So sit back, relax, and we'll see you at the end. I start with verse uh, 20. So chapter 20, verse 20. And it says, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these two my sons may sit, the one at thy right hand and the other on thy left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink the cup that I shall drink, or be able to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. And he said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand or on my left is not mine to give but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared for of my father. And when the ten heard this, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. And Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and that they, are great, they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall be not so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever is chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. There's a couple points I want to bring up in this quick little story. The two sons that the mother brings... Jesus in another uh, another chapter, another thing, in Mar actually, in fact, Mark 3, uh, nicknames these two brothers, James and John, as the sons of thunder. And Jesus never did anything without purpose. And so for him to give this name to them, I think it's obviously something that is, uh, it shows that Jesus knew something about them. And I think it does start to paint a picture of who these two brothers were. James and John, the sons of thunder. Because these were also the two sons that during an event that Jesus was trying to get help for, and uh, they were, he, was, he was not getting the accommodation that he needed, the sons of thunder spoke up and said, Lord, let us call fire down upon, let fire from heaven upon their heads and burn them up. And Jesus quickly rebuked them and corrected them. But it gives you an idea of their personality and a little bit of fire that these two brothers had. And I think we started to see this amongst other disciples as well. Because a couple interesting points that I find kind of funny even in this chapter or in this chunk right here is that 
their mom brings the sons of thunder to Jesus to make the request. The sons of thunder need their mommy. It's weird. But it is also interesting that after the mom makes the request, Jesus does not talk to her. She talks to them and says, are you able to drink this cup? Are you able? And they said, we are. And so, the sons of thunder desired something that also we see other disciples wanted. They wanted to be great. They wanted and desired greatness. Because Jesus then addresses it and says, oh, well, if you want to be great, obviously you need to be. And, and Jesus addresses this multiple times. If you want to be first, be last. Oh, you want to be, you want to be ruler, well, you got to learn to serve. And so he addresses this, but I do find it interesting, even in the other conversations that we see the disciples talking and, and walking, and, and they're, they're talking about, well, who's going to be greatest? Who's going to be greatest? I want to be greatest. Which is a, a side note, total trip, that they never understood that they were walking next to the great one. <sighs> Crazy. But they had this desire to be great, and notice that Jesus does not address that. He doesn't say, it's bad, it's wrong, and it's prideful to want to be great. In fact, he does kind of the opposite and says, oh, you want to be great? Then be a servant. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Because I think we, ha we sometimes have these weird conflicts inside of ourselves. We're in one area of life, we have a certain type of mindset, belief system, and then another area of life, we have a completely opposite one. And they start to contradict each other. Maybe at work, man, I want to move up the ranks. I want to get promoted. I want to be the best. Yes. But then in ministry or something like that, oh, that's prideful. No, 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 I will not go and pray for that person. And they start to conflict. And so as we continue to read and continue to go through this whole thing about the sons of thunder wanting greatness, and I think we can also relate because if you think back to a time when maybe you first got saved, you first accepted Jesus, wasn't there this element of like a, just a, a huge sense of purpose and on fire and man, you're a baby Christian, but you got your pampers on and you're ready to take on the devil now. There, hey, I am now going to be great in the kingdom. Got your butter knife, but man, you're ready to go to war. And as we progress, we want to be great, this greatness, yes, 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 we're on fire. But then all of a sudden, over time, the cares of this world start to creep in. And all of a sudden, um, you know what? I'm just going to settle a little bit for just good. Because that, that way I can avoid the possibility of pride. That way I can avoid the possibility. And even the, the, oh, it's kind of inconvenient to strive for greatness now because I can, I can be good and fly under the radar now. It's a shame when we start to have those desires that God has placed in us snuffed out. And I don't think we ever, ever set out on endeavors such as, let's say, a job. No one, no one says, man, I really hope I get this job and, and fired in two months. No one says, hey, I can't wait to get married and spend the rest of my life with you, but man, I hope this doesn't work out later on. 
No one says, hey, I'm going to go to the gym and eat right and do all these things, but I really hope it doesn't work and I gain a bunch more weight. No one does that. But yet it happens. Why is that? Because I think we start to get conditioned. We start to believe lies of the enemy. We start to allow the cares of this world to creep in. And all of a sudden, we're not striving for greatness anymore. And even as I say that now, that probably sits wrong with some of you because you're like, eh, no, wait a minute, hold up, wait a minute, what about Jesus? I'm getting there, don't worry. There is a book, I don't think I've ever read it, but there is a book called Good is the Enemy of Great. Did I say that right? Yes, I think it did, good. And I think there's truth behind that. And I'm not saying go read the book because I haven't read it myself, but what I am saying is there is truth to that. Because I can say, man, I, I, I want this good relationship with God. But what about great? Why would you want a good relationship with God when you could have a great relationship with God? Why would you want a good marriage if you could have a great marriage? Why would you want to have a good ministry when you could have a great ministry? Why? Because good is easier. Jesus said, hey, be hot, cold, but don't be lukewarm. And I think warm, I think, I think this lukewarmness is very close to just good. Because it's easier to fly under the radar. It's easier, hey, I can still go to church. I can still uh, have a form of godliness. I can yet deny the power thereof, and I can fly over it. No one's going to notice because it's easier. And why would I strive to be great if that is prideful? But see, the thing is, the thing is, is we're not saying that I want to be great. What I'm saying is, I want to be so dead that God is able to be great through me. Have you ever had that burning desire going, God, I just want people to see how awesome you are. I, just, I, know you're, I know you could do so much more, and yet you're not, but I just, oh, I want people to see the goodness of God. I want, to see the, I want people to see the abundance of who God is. And yet sometimes we forget that God uses people to show himself. And I know it can get messy and it can get blurry right there. But when we keep it simple and say it's our job to be dead so that Jesus can live loudly through us, then it's not about, oh, I want recognition. No. I want Jesus to be recognized. But how much recognition is going to be if I'm just a good employee, if I'm just a good boss? How much glory is Jesus getting with that? And I think we need this reality check because so often we start to lose sight of truth and we justify it with not truth. We justify it with weird things. I had a guy 
just this past week, uh, a big guy has a lot of influence in, in the business world, and he was sharing this struggle that he's having, and he, he, he you know, put this three-point thing together, and the first point was, man, God's never going to give you more than you can handle, and I take comfort in that. And so then I got on there, and I said, wait a minute, that's not true. Where's that in the Bible? He will give you more. He will totally allow more, because if you can do it, you don't need him. He'll totally give you more than you can handle so you can die and allow his strength to move through you. But yet we believe these weird little sayings that did not come from the Bible and try to take comfort in them. Well, that's good. Why would we want to set the bar? at good. Jesus never set the bar at good. Jesus came in and always said, I'm going to raise the bar and I'm going to show you what great is. Oh, oh, you want to harbor hate in your heart? Guess what? Murderer. Oh, you want to, you want to, you want to lust? You, want, oh, you know, you, you're not, you're condemning an adulterer, but you have lust in your heart and you're lusty after the Guess what? You already committed adultery. He would raise the bar and say, oh no, see you're settling for good, but let me show you great. Let me show you where the standard in the bar is for great. So true believers, it's okay to desire greatness because it's Jesus that's great in you. And I want him to be great in every area of life, not just one or two. Why would we, why would, why would we settle? It doesn't make any sense to me, but yet we do. And we see this continue even in the life of David. David did not wake up one day and said, man, God's put greatness in me. I'm a king. God's like, no, 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 no. You, you're going to be a servant. You're going to be a shepherd. We're going to walk through some stuff. And then you're going to learn to become a warrior. And then you're going to become a king. There's a process that takes place. And if you want greatness, if you want the Lord to be great through you, and you want to have all the, these areas of your life show the greatness of God, it will come through trial. And there will be fire that you have to go through because that all of a sudden is the place where you die. And then the Lord can live. So there is a process to this. There is something that the Lord shared. Um, I want to say it was probably, I'm, I'm guessing, but I want to say it was probably three years ago. Mike, you would probably know. I know, awesome note taker that you are. Um, but I think it was about three years ago. The Lord gave a word to the men, and I believe it was at King Camp. It may have been a journey, but I think it was at King Camp. And, he, and just one part of it said that I have destined you to rise up and be the thing that you wanted to be. And, and, and there's a little bit more of this, but I thought, wait a minute. Well, that, that kind of grinds against some of our theological thoughts, doesn't it? Because wait a minute, I, I, I try to kill all that. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. And now God's saying, oh yeah, the thing that you want to be, yeah, that thing, that's actually of me. So it starts to mess with us a little bit. Because he goes on to say, after he says, I have destined you to rise up and be the thing that you have wanted to be because, get this, I put it there. No man did. I put it there. And then he goes on to say something that I thought was pretty profound because this really sums up why we never make it to great and we settle for good. He goes on to say, but your soul, 
has wrapped itself around that desire and buries it. Think about that for a moment. I put this great thing inside. I put this great idea inside of you. I have put myself inside of you. And yet your soul wraps around it and buries it. So we go from having this great desire to be great in the kingdom and do great things to all of a sudden talking ourselves out of it, allowing the cares of the world, allowing lies, allowing weird false senses of humility or whatever to say, oh, I'm just going to bury that thing. Because it might be uncomfortable. It might be uh, people will judge. Yeah, they will. So what? Our soul wraps it around it and buries it. So it got me to thinking more about, okay, well, if good is the enemy of great, because see, the thing is, is when things are going good, it's easier to ease off on the things you know you're supposed to do. When things are going bad, at least you know you're in war. At least you know, hey, I'm in a battle and I'm doing the things, I'm fighting, I'm going to do this thing. Look at Mike's looking up the date right now, isn't he? <laughs> 19. Okay. All right. Look at that, man. Impressive. So, but we go through this place of saying, Hey, you know what? At least I know that I'm in battle. At least I know that I'm in a war and I'm going to do the things because man, this sucks. This is bad. But on the way to great, we settle for good and stop there. And then we ease up. And so I want to give you five things for you to examine in your life today and this week to ensure that your soul is not wrapping itself around the great things that God has put inside of you. Number one, on the note that the Lord has said, your soul, your flesh is the first thing that will come against the great things God has put inside of you. That's why the Bible says, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But the flesh is always at war and always trying to come back alive. So what are you doing to crucify your flesh daily? I know, I'm I'm tired of actually saying this, but I'm going to do it one more time, at least. Because I'm tired. I'm tired of saying what I'm about to say. And try to rephrase it in a different way. How about this? It amazes me how easy it is for us to feed our flesh and we don't recognize it. Let's take social media. Now, there is, just like with most things, there's some good stuff to it and there could be some bad stuff to it. But here's the thing. Very, very smart psychologists and human behavior people, marketers, and who knows what other influences all got together and said, how can we create a platform that will become so addictive to people that they will never go to any of our competitors? How can we make it so addictive that we can actually start to change how the brain processes things? I was in a a, a little group with a a bunch of business guys and we were talking about how 
uh, not that long. I mean, a year, year and a half, two years ago, people would stay on for a 60, it's a 40, 60 to 90 minute webinar. They would do it. But then, okay, now we got to make maybe five, three to five minute videos on, on YouTube. Oh, but wait, that's not working now. So now we're confined to a 30 second video. All because the human behavior has changed so much and we have become so conditioned to, what's next, what's next, what's next? Scroll, 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 what's next, what's next, what's next? And God's saying, hey, what about me? What's next, what's next, what? And we miss it. Lord's saying, wait on me. Well, if it's more than 30 seconds, that's all you got, Lord. And we do it without knowing You are either feeding your spirit or feeding your flesh. What is social media doing for you? Notice I haven't even touched TV yet. <laughs> but seriously, you, you can't convince me that I can get on Twitter or I can get on TikTok or I can get on any of those stupid things and you're going to convince me that it's ministering to you. If you believe that, let's talk after Because ultimately you're saying, Lord, I'm getting more from this than from you. Think about it. What are your actions saying? First thing, check when you wake up. Last thing, you check when you go to sleep. And who knows how many hundreds of times during the day. And then when you start to, there's actually an exercise that we've done, uh, and I've been tempted to do it again. It's this, this inventory of time. And, and literally every 10 minutes you log what you just did. It is a commitment to do. <laughs> but at the end of the day or the week, whenever you're done, it gives you a reality check on where your priorities actually are because it shows you where your time has gone. So even without doing that, where's your time going? It's just 10 minutes here and there. Okay, well, let's just say roughly you do that a couple times a day. Let's say it ends up being 30 minutes a day. Oh, that's not bad. Look at all the other hours of the day. That's 30 minutes that you and Jesus we're not talking. That's 30 minutes the Lord could have been showing you something, asking you to do something, causing you to be great in his kingdom, but yet you chose, no, I'd rather be entertained and zone out and numb out. Hey, it's up to you. Good or great? Good or great? I am locked out of my tablet. There we go. <laughs> That's not great. <laughs> Number two, what causes greatness not to happen? A lack of belief. If you don't believe that God is good and he's put himself and his greatness in you and the desires and the promises and plans that he has for you, that he wants it to be great and not good, if you don't believe that, you'll be, you will be talked out of it. You'll probably talk yourself out of it. I said, I think recently when preaching that, um, that it's been proven and it's shown. I mean, it's obvious that, that belief dictates actions and actions dictate results. If the end result is greatness, what actions are you doing to get there? The Lord or social media? 
And is it because I turn to social media because of the very fact that I don't believe that the Lord's going to speak to me in that moment when I seek him? Oh, snap. Do you really believe? <laughs> I, was, I was going to bring a picture up on the screen. I'm not going to do it. Because somebody would get mad. But I'm going to read something to you real quick. During a brutal study at Harvard in the 1950s, Dr. Kurt Richter placed rats in a pool of water to test how long that they could tread water. On average, they would give up and sink after about 15 minutes. But right before they gave up due to exhaustion, the researchers would pluck them out, dry them off, and let them rest for a few minutes, and then put them back for a second round. In the second round, or the second try, how long do you think they would go for? Well, some would say, well, probably another 15 minutes. That's how much it was the first time, probably another 15. Maybe they're still a little exhausted, so maybe it's 10. Maybe it's five minutes. In the second round of this testing, they went from 15 minutes the first round to 60 hours the second round. Exactly. What? I know. The conclusion that these scientists and doctors came up with was simply that these, these mice, these rats, believed that they would eventually be rescued again. So they pushed past what their physical bodies would normally do and what they previously thought was impossible. They pushed past all of it simply because they believed they were going to be rescued again. Belief dictates action. Action dictates results. So again, do you believe that God is going to do the thing or not? Number three, not staying connected to the true vine. See, the thing is, is you can. Get this. <laughs> you can show up in church. You can act godly. You can try to walk the walk. You can at least act like it. Say all the right things, but walk in complete and total deception. Because simply you're not staying connected to the true vine, Jesus, who is your source. And the scary part is, quick warning, scary part is, if you are that person that's not staying connected to the true vine and desiring greatness, it will turn into pride. And then you will become that prideful, narcissistic person that should not be pursuing greatness at all because it will probably end up destroying you. Many ministries have fallen simply because of that. Number four, a lack of vision. Do you know what greatness is supposed to look like? Often, if you don't know what the end result is supposed to look like or even a glimpse of it, you're not going to know the steps to take to get there. It's like trying to take a road trip. I'm going to get somebody or somewhere. I'm going to head north and hopefully get there. I can guarantee I wouldn't make it. <laughs> I feel like, where's the GPS? We need, we need help. 
But you see, when you have the end result in mind, you know what the steps are. So if I'm going to build a house, okay, I have a picture of what the house is supposed to look like. Then we have plans of the steps that's needed to build the house. So it looks like that house. But what is greatness supposed to look like? Have you ever asked the Lord, what's it supposed to look like? What's my walk with you supposed to look like? What is the thing that you want to do? What's it supposed to look like? What is my walk with you, my relationship with you, my marriage, my, my finances, my career, my health? What is it supposed to look like? Most don't know. And some don't care. Because it's just scroll, scroll, scroll. It's easier. Do you want me to touch on TV? I can. I, I've done it before. <laughs> Lack of vision. And number five is that we end up believing the lies about being prideful and allow insecurities to prevent us from doing the thing that God has called us to do. It's very easy because we can find a lot of good things to do. We can find a ton of good things to do to avoid the great thing God's called you to. Let that sink in for a moment. You can do good things. Things that people will go, oh, that's awesome. Good for you. Yes. But it's not necessarily the great thing that God's called you to. Simply because I'm avoiding it because I don't think I'm capable. Well, you're probably not, which is why you need the Lord. That simple. So I ask you today, what areas of your life are you not pursuing the Lord in to be great in? Are you like the sons of thunder that's like, man, I want to be great? They didn't know how to do it, but they had the desire. Have you lost even the desire for the Lord to be great in you? Have you settled for good? Because good is easy. Good is comfortable. Are you willing to move on to the next thing and go, I want greatness. I want the Lord to be so awesome, so great in my life, in my family's life, that everything we touch, the Lord is touching because I'm dead. So worship team, come on back up. It is far too easy for good to substitute great. Do you believe the Lord has called you to something great? Do you believe that the desires that he's placed on your heart, the dreams, are they supposed to be great? Or is it good? Maybe you need to have a conversation with the Lord and find out. I don't care how young or old you are. It doesn't matter. That doesn't prevent the Lord from doing something that he wants to do. It could be something as simple as the Lord desires you to pray something. It could be something the Lord wants you to be in the word more. It could be something that he wants you to stay off stinking social media. <laughs> What is it that he's called you to do? What is it that's getting in the way of him being great in your life? Because you know what? He's great no matter what. But is he going to be great through you? 
because there are people that are relying and counting and needing for the Lord to be great through you. Because they've seen enough good Christians out there. And they're not getting the job done. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you got a lot out of that. And I hope that you have identified areas in your life that you can now really stomp on good and go for great. Uh, if you would leave a comment or review, I would love to know what your thoughts are about this podcast. And I would like to invite you to take another step inside of the King's Code. We have so many cool things going on. We recently launched uh, a three-day virtual summit uh, for married men uh, that is struggling in their marriage. You can check out more about that at winbackyourwife.com. Uh, we've recently launched a brand new coaching program for men, Kingdom Entrepreneurs, uh, known as the King's Armory. And you can find out more about that if you go to the thekingscode.com. Till next time, guys. God bless.